When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. Today's conversation is one that I have so wanted to have since I last was honored to have Pierre Quinn, my guest today, play an incredibly valuable role participating with other great thought leaders on February 22nd, 2022, at the live stream of the Softest Steel Summit. In that event, we talked about love, inclusion, social justice, and leadership. I first met Pierre as his guest on the Leading Wild Green podcast, episode 128, and he's much further along in his episode count by now, on October 7th, 2020. I don't know if you remembered that or if you thought to check that. So we've actually known each other going on three years, which is at this stage of my life is a pretty long time, and it's been a delight. Pierre empowers new and seasoned leaders with the mindset, skill set, and tool set they need to elevate their impact. I think this is an understatement. He does so much more and touches people across the spectrum with his inspiring keynotes, his incredible storytelling, his creative and entertaining visuals, and so much more. His message delivered with a voice that is almost spiritual in its tone adds to his brilliance. He's a top-rated keynote speaker and just this year was named one of the top 30 global gurus in leadership alongside people like Simon Sinek, who's a name that a lot of people recognize. I mean, I'm a little nervous talking to you, I got to say. Every person listening to this conversation needs to learn more about this guru. So be sure to go to his website now, pierrequinn.com. Pierre, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. Dennis, it's a pleasure. I can't, three years? It's been three years? Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you look the same. You look exactly the same. (laughs) I, on the other hand, have aged dramatically. <laughs> Not, no, can't, can't tell. You look you look fresh and vibrant as always. So glad to be here with you. Yeah, thank you. I don't see everything that you do, but I see a lot of what you do. And I'm amazed at how much you're doing. And for the right reason, because you have great messages and you have an incredible way of delivering those messages. So it's no surprise that you're in the top 30 global gurus in leadership. When I read that, I said, wow. And then I immediately took a look to see who the other gurus were. And I saw Simon Sinek. See, I think you're better than Simon Sinek, you know, and I think I'm probably better than Simon Sinek, except I'm not Simon Sinek <laughs> or Pierre Quinn for that matter. So we're going to have an interesting conversation, I'm sure. I happen to, because this is something I want to talk with you about. We're going to talk about those four items I mentioned again, because I think it's important, probably with the most significant being leadership. But I happened to read an article online, or actually I saw an interview on CNBC, might have been yesterday morning. The person being interviewed was a professor from Harvard's business school named Arthur Brooks, and he teaches a class on happiness at Harvard. And that triggered my interest. And I happened to be walking through a, a Barnes and Noble today, just because when I was since I was near it, I figured I'd walk in. I went up to the information desk and asked them to look up the book Soft as Steel. 
and the woman behind the counter, she said, well, we don't have any in stock. And then she says, oh, it's you. <laughs> so so that, was my, that was my great recognition as an author. That's a half you know? Definitely. But as I was walking around, I happened to see on a table a book entitled The Good Life. Yeah. Have you seen this yet? I haven't seen it yet. This is one that you're going to want to pick up. It was written by an MD and a PhD about the results of a study that lasted, I think, over 20 years and the things they learned about happiness. And the first sentence in the inside flap captures, I think, the thing is so interesting because it's something that I know you talk about, and I certainly talk about it as well. It said, the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted, supported by many other studies, shows that strong relationships make for a good life. Good relationships keep us healthy and happy. What do you think? It's such a powerful intro to the book. I'm deeply intrigued now. I heard about it. Now I want to read it. And I, if I have to drive down to Barnes & Noble to, to get it, you know, I have to, <laughs> have to put that on my, my to-do list. But when I, when I think yeah. of all of the major transitions, milestones, I mean, you even mentioned the global gurus thing. When for me, it really comes down to relationships. And in my, the highest moments, the biggest successes, my biggest challenges and growth moments, it's always been a key relationship, a key person coming along at a specific time in my life where I really needed them the most that provided that, that coaching, that support, that cheerleading, that reality check, that perspective, that mentorship that I needed. And now at, at, it, at this stage you know, of my life, I turned 42 this year at the time of reporting, recording this episode. I'm in the relationship game. Mm-hmm. That's the game that I'm in. Who, who, who are the cool people that I can meet at this stage? And how can I introduce them to more cool people so that we can all have better relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think uh, I happened to, to, I took a quick look at our, at our, uh, uh, our common connections. And I noticed a few names there, including, uh, including, uh, um, Let's see, who was it? There were two or three people that, that I know that you know. And I think maybe a couple of them were connected because of me. So that, so that idea about how connections come about is, is, uh, is so, practically, uh, so practical but incredibly valuable. Um, I mean, I, I would say that we have a relationship. Uh, and, and the, but the only reason that we have a relationship is that, that uh, back in 2020, when I was trying to uh, begin to build some uh, level of visibility, um, uh, you know, I, I, I engaged someone to get me on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but there wasn't automatic because the podcast host had to say, okay, yeah, I, I, you know, I want to talk to him or, you know, I, I guess I'll read his book and see if I want to talk about that. Uh, I don't know what your decision criteria was. It might've been that you just loved the picture of me on the cover. Um, but that's how, that's how we met and started this and then accelerated it uh, because again, it, it saddens me that that uh, that there that more people didn't get a chance uh, to see that summit that you participated in, and you were you were a, a visible and essential ingredient in that, um, and it was an incredible collection of thought leaders with whom I have good relations. Uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in a community of of people who 
who care about the same, uh, ultimately the same thing that I do, and that is the importance of people's qualities uh, for the purpose of living their lives, being in business, and being able to build and maintain relationships. Because, and that's how I came up with the title of my book, as you as you probably recall. Steel is to buildings as relationships are, uh, to and, and qualities are to uh, to long term success. So here we are. Um, I also noticed on the, and I listened to the podcast that we did that I that I talked too much. So um, so I so I want I want our listeners to hear much more of you. Um, so, so we're, we're both in agreement that this idea about the the relationship between uh, between or the or the consequence of great relationships yeah. is happiness. Yeah. What is happiness? What is it? Well, let's go back to some of our our mutual connections, and I, and I promised him that I would I would mention this at some point in our conversation, either online or offline. And it seems it seems appropriate to have it online for, here for us. That one of my current mentors and friends, uh, John Farrell, uh, says you owe him a round of golf. He wanted me to pass that he <laughs> passed that on. Yes, to you. yes, I and, do. And just just seeing how our connections are, even in that regard, John has become. You know, a great mentor, a great friend, his years of expertise in management consulting. And I remember first mentioning to him that we were connected and you know, his face lit up and he was sharing you know, some things, the past experiences that you had together. Yeah. Because as, as we think about our success, our, our longevity, and even as we're, we think about how we're framing out happiness, let's go back to when many of us were in high school or in our early 20s. A lot of us framed out happiness in terms of of a either a monetary success, either a job accomplishment, either some some tangible picture that we saw in popular culture in the media somewhere. And it usually and it usually was relative to some major acquisition. So I get a big promotion, I start a big business, I have a nice car, a nice house, I'll be able to travel the world. Any of those things that we say in high school or early college that qualifies for checking off the box. But as time passes, we realize the depreciation of those things. Eventually, the, the great car, even if you put a lot of money into it, the, the, the impact that you get from it just wears away. You drive the car only so many times, you live in the house, you have the nice office and the nice chair, you have all of these experiences, and it, the the older we get, we realize that our life and the quality of our life is and our happiness is deeply connected to our relationships. The number of people we talk to, the breadth and depth of that conversation, the memories we create, we're clamoring now. And we saw this right over the past two or three years when for many of us we couldn't get out and get to get to people and and shake hands and hug and high five and go to baseball games and all of those things. We saw a serious decline in mental and physical health relative to the lack of being able to connect in real time. Mm-hmm. And as I look at the people around me, the people around me who are the happiest, who have a sense of fulfillment, who, and the, the definition is a moving target for a lot of people, but this sense of fulfillment, this sense of, of resolve, this sense of comfort in who they are and in what they contribute to the world and their perception of themselves that, that, that comprises this idea of happiness. Those individuals have really deep relationships 
Mm-hmm. They have really deep relationships. There, there, there isn't anyone who I've found who has a sense of contentment and and comfort level with themselves and the world around them that doesn't have a strong, strong portfolio of relationships to lean on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I absolutely agree. You know, again, I, I I did a quick little reading of some of the passages in this book that now you're you're going to have to go out and buy, and there's a lot more to it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that that first sentence uh, and the inside cover, uh, I mean, it, its simplicity is is obvious, but it's 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 so powerful. Uh, and as as we go through our lives. Uh, and if we just focus on that part of our lives where we, where all of us spend a lot of our waking hours, which is in the pursuit of what we do uh, to make a living, I'll use that terminology, but I, I always prefer to say uh, what I do, and I think you have the same outlook around this, to be of service to others. Uh, because that, you know, again, uh, you know, that, that's, that is my mindset. My mindset is not this is a $5,000 gig or this is something else. My mindset is that I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to be of service in, in the role that I've been sought out for. Uh, and I know you're exactly the same way. Uh, and I'm so impressed. And, I, and I, I, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, too nice, but I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with, uh, with all of the tools that you use to communicate with people, uh, you know. Again, you're you're obviously a uh, an advanced graduate of the Diane Bleck School of uh, of Illustration, um, but uh, I, and I happen to have a chance to to, to talk with her one time. Um, and, but it, it's just just that you know it's very clear. And again, I'll use another person's quote. Uh, you got to meet and, and interact with Steve Farber during our summit, uh, who is my mentor. Uh, and, uh, you know, his, his, his mantra is do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Uh, so good. and so f- for the business relationships, that's, that certainly is the formula. Uh, but it's also the formula for relationships within your family, within your community. Uh, and that simply means that, that your, your outlook, uh, towards what is going on in your life has to be, um, you know, it's, it's more than just getting the job done. Um, and, and again, when I talk about uh, the the importance of, of of the role that love plays in things, um, you know, getting the job done, whether you know, and again, you know, I'm in the construction mm-hmm. industry, and that's, so there's our first mention of construction, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and make some connections. But you know, I, I say to to folks that it doesn't matter what business you're in. Doesn't matter whether you're a public speaker, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a carpenter. What doesn't matter uh, that you that you deliver to a, a to a dock at a store, a product. Doesn't matter. You serve people, yeah. and if you don't serve them with with a positive energy, uh, then you're they're not going to love what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's simple. I mean, they'll see you get the job done, but how how will it benefit them and you in terms of a long term? relationship for people that you need to build into your life to make your life the fullest it can be. Your thoughts? Let's look at the service industry. And, you know, both you and I travel, we travel enough to, to be of service to the world. But if we look at the, the, the professions that are classic service industry professions, the serve, the server at the restaurant, the, the cabin crew, on an airplane, the, the people we depend upon for comfort, for for necessity, to get something done. This this transaction that that takes place, 
and how much our perception of a brand or a company is influenced by our interactions that we have with the the customer service agent on the phone or with the person serving our food or with the person guiding us to to our seats and how we've made future purchasing decisions just based on how we were treated in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure, Dennis, there are some restaurants that you say the food was pretty good, but based on how it was treated, I don't know if, I'll, if I'm on a trip, mm-hmm. if I'm doing a keto, if I'm doing a training, I might not stop. And it could be in a totally different state now. Mm-hmm. But because of your experience, maybe in a, in a Kansas or Nevada, you're thinking twice about how you're, if you, whether or not you would go to that same restaurant in a mm-hmm. Virginia or New York. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a relationship thing. And sometimes, and this was navigating because we're not always taught about this the, uh, in, in our formative years. Some of our relationships last a really long time, 20, 30 years or a lifetime. Some of our relationships or our exchanges are really, really short. And there's an opportunity. And this is why, like you, I don't frame my, my experiences and my work you know, $5,000 engagement or whatever it is, a 45 minute keynote. I don't, I don't refer to it as just a transactional experience. I talk, they pay me, I get in my car or the plane and I go home. I realize Mm -hmm. in that short interaction, that short interaction has life changing implications, not just for my audience, not just for the execs that I'm talking to, but also for me Mm -hmm. and how I approach my willingness to be all in on the relationship could be a 45 minute context of relationship could be a multi-month engagement. It could be several years, but how I choose to go all in during the time that I'm around people for the context of the engagement is it says a lot about how I value the people that I'm around. And it says a lot about how I frame out my work. And I'm sure you've had people say to you and, they didn't even know, they didn't even mean to say it, but Dennis, you're, the way that you approach this is maybe different from a speaker that we've had or a trainer that we had. And I can tell that you're sincere and that you're honest and that you care about people. Mm-hmm. This is not just a job or a gig for you. Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the old perspective of people will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. That has reverberations across time. It doesn't just make for good repeat business, mm-hmm. but it also makes for just making a huge difference in the world, regardless of how much you're getting paid to be there or not. Yeah, yeah. This is all very positive, energetic, and upbeat. Let's let's uh, let's let's visit uh, into what I continue to feel, particularly in the construction industry, uh, is a place where we're still hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's and it's the area that that relates to inclusion yeah. and social justice. Yeah. Um, the conversations that we had on that summit, uh, again, I, I've watched that summit num- a number of times, uh, not for the purpose of listening to me ask questions, yeah. but to hear what all of you had to say. Uh, and 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 it was so. It, it's every time I watch it, I'm, I I learn something else, and I'm impressed. Um, but we're you know we're we're in a place you know again. Uh, you know, th- you know, we're we're looking. You know, we're, we ha- we have a vision for what the future might be, uh, but we don't know. Uh, we d- we simply don't know. Yeah. Uh, and so, when I think about 
you know, so many things are changing. <laughs> it's it's a trite phrase, but you know, there's only there is only one constant, and that is change. But but the difficult part is how we deal with it, uh, and that it's different if you're one generation versus another. It's different if you're one race versus another. It's different if if you're at one level economic level in in, in our society or another. Uh, so so and so that's so complex. But at the basic level, uh, the the biggest thing that we are I use the word fighting against is 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 that the people aren't willing to view each other as people that deserve respect and dignity. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't make up these thoughts. This is real stuff. Um, and, uh, and everybody's feeling it, but nobody's, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, you know, I have one very large client, um, that I've had a, a 15 year relationship with, and at times it's been tortured. Um, but as every relationship has its ups and downs, but overall it's been a great relationship. And, you know, I dealt with a variety of, of different kinds of people. In, in that different personalities. And again, you understand the idea that people have different personalities and therefore they have different tendencies and some are better communicators, blah, blah. Well, you understand that in, in incredible depth much more than I do because you can make nice pictures to talk about it. Uh, I love those illustrations. And, and again, uh, that, that alone uh, is captivating uh, when, you're, when you're trying to be of service to an audience, just using that technique. Uh, so I, I compliment you. I admire that you can do it. I wish I could, but at the age of 70, it's probably not something I'm going to pick up and get good at. I'll just use simple stick figures, all right, uh, with very big heads and very small legs. Um, so where are we uh, on, on, on these two related uh, considerations, inclusion and social justice? Where are we as a society? Yeah, I, I'll push back on your on your the adage that you made about drawing, and then I'll—, I'll... I'll approach their way to your question because my friends Diane Bleck and and Jill Greenbaum would would argue you down on that and that that skill of using a visual language is is one that anyone can master at any age and uh, they they would push back on you and some of their right. some of their best students have been people who said that they didn't think that was possible so I'll just I'll just leave that there that's the coach okay. be pushing back a little bit all right good thank you there's this, uh, an exercise that I ran with a with a with a group uh, I, I was working with a group a group of executive leaders and we were talking about some of these very for some people delicate and touchy subjects it was, it was related to it was it was a, a council Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Council, and we were talking about strategies and challenges. There was some discomfort in the room. People were talking about the things that you mentioned before, the from the race and ethnicity perspective, from the socioeconomic perspective, from the experience perspective, and how we were navigating those in the room. And my simple exercise was this. I said, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about a time in your life where you personally have felt overlooked, marginalized, disrespected, disregarded, or where you were intentionally offended. What's that story? And we went through in small groups, we didn't share globally and with the whole room, but we, we went through those moments in people's lives. The room was quiet and the conversations were close. They were standing in close proximity. And we 
spend some time just allowing people to, to navigate that space. And then I asked a follow-up question. And the follow-up question was, in those moments, what did you need? What were you looking for? How were you wanting people to help you or pay attention to your situation or support you? We had, we had a, just a wide variety of answers and perspectives in that moment. And, and then my third question was, as we were having a debrief, what would it take for you to offer to another group of people who have similar emotional responses that you had at that time in the story that you mentioned, who were feeling overlooked and frustrated and disregarded and intentionally offended, what would it take for you to offer at least one of the things that you needed when you were telling your story to a group of people who may or may not be like you? Because if you can see yourself in the position of being disadvantaged for whatever reason, and you can see the opportunity and you then can see how you may be able to meet a need or support, then you can take a bigger step in the right direction. I think for a lot of what's going on between the, between the political maneuvering, between the click baitiness of our social media world and a lot of distraction that is happening, I think we forget that at one point in your life, for whatever reason, you know, something was going on and you were placed at a disadvantage, at a disadvantage, and you wanted someone to help. And that person wasn't there. But I think also the world shapes for us now and the craziness of life that's going on right now. For those that choose it, for those that choose it, there are incredible opportunities there to be that person. And for as much as we're pointing fingers and highlighting the things that are going wrong, which we should, which we should bring attention to, I think there's an awesome, incredible, awesome opportunity for us who want to make a difference in that regard to be safe spaces, to be safe people, and to offer the support and resource and help that we really needed but didn't get. It's this whole idea of be the person that you really needed and mm -hmm. lean into that opportunity to make change that way. Yeah. There's a, uh, a labor leader in the Iron Workers Union. Um, she is a national organizer and has been doing incredible work uh, dealing with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and most specifically related to women. Uh, and one of the programs that she that she designed and was accepted by that international union, which is one of the larger building trades unions, um, was um, uh, was entitled "Be That Guy." Uh, you just said something very similar yeah. to that, but her program was "Be That Guy." Be that guy that uh, that can help me when I'm when I'm in trouble. Be that guy that can that can help me deal with a situation that I don't know how to deal with. Um, simple. But again, helping people on a personal level uh, not, not only takes courage, uh, but it also takes uh, uh, it also takes the, the person who, who may be of help. Uh, it takes that person time to understand things about themselves uh, that that can either make giving the help just something which is virtually impossible. Mm -hmm. Because because they, they've had ingrained in their in their brain 
from from their very early years certain things that now have, have been wired into their brain, into their subconscious. We call them biases. I know you know a lot about that subject as well. Um, and even though they, they may be moved or motivated to try to do something, they don't have they don't have nothing they can look into their into the, their background or experience to say that this is going to be really hard to do, but I I, I can do this, and so I ought to give it a shot. Again, because what we're talking about is is trying to to help people understand that they need to learn more about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, he, and also be willing and open to learn more about other people rather than simply looking at other people and labeling them, which is very easy to do. And again, my generation is really good at it. You know, and again, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know a lot about a lot of things that I'm, that I talk about with passion today until mm-hmm. I was 50 years old. You know, so I mean, so, so I've got 20 years in now, so now I'm, I'm getting comfortable with it, but you know, some things are, are difficult. You know, and, and I can remember launching a, uh, doing a program in, in my world of soft skills for my client, uh, and, and we were doing something with a behavioral assessment instrument mm-hmm. in a class setting. Uh, and, and one individual was sitting next to their boss. Uh, the boss was a, a probably early 60s white male. Uh, the, the person who, who, was, who worked for that individual was probably a mid-30s black male. And some, something was said by his boss, and, and the young man just got up and left. Mm. And to this day, I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, because I, I approached the young man after the class, and I said, is there anything I can do to help? What happened? Do you want to talk about it? He said, I prefer not to. And he was, he was, a, uh, he was a, a, a really bright young guy. You know, he was one of the guys that now, probably this is probably 10 years ago, He's probably in a very significant leadership position in his organization. He was a, sh- a sharp guy. The old guy probably just said something stupid, may not have had any intention of being disrespectful or anything else, but that wiring in his brain from back back in the day, you know, with his daddy or whomever, uh, th- there's so much there's so much to this idea of how do we how do we become more inclusive? How do we be more fair with other people? Yeah, so the perspective you shared about being more in tune with ourselves and how that is such a critical piece of this whole thing. I'm right-handed. I've been riding with my right hand my entire life. And if you said to me, tomorrow, you can can only be left-handed. It's going to take me a while to develop a sense of proficiency. Mm -hmm. And the entire time, I'm going to be comparing my left-handed contribution to the world to not only my right-handed contribution, but to everybody else's contribution, whether they're left and right-handed. And there's this comparison that happens. And sometimes when we say, sometimes when we're even framing out the things that we're deeply passionate about, we run into the danger of comparing our advocacy to someone else's advocacy. And I, I was, I was sitting in a, a leadership forum and a C-suite executive was giving a presentation in a session that I was facilitating. And she was really passionate about helping young girls get connected into to, to STEAM, STEAM positions. So we went from STEM to STEAM. And she said, she said something so powerful in the session. She says, my advocacy to support young girls in pursuing education and and a career in STEAM because this is an area I'm super passionate about does not minimize my support 
for someone else's charge or position or the things that they're championing as well. Mm-hmm. And, and what can happen is we, we, we want to push people to have the same intensity around every social justice issue, around every topic that needs to be advocated for. That's very challenging. It's challenging because as humans, we only have a certain amount of bandwidth. What's helpful is for me to recognize these may be the three or four core core issues or core challenges that I'm really going to push with my platform and my lifestyle going forward. While at the same time, I'm going to applaud you in the area and the direction that you're, you're going in. And it could be at certain times that the energy and resource and perspective around our two advocacy areas may appear to be at odds, but then that's the the self-assessment and self-awareness comes in to say, hey, what's the conversation that I need to have so that both people, as we're pursuing our, our particular lanes for justice, for equity, for belonging, for solutioning in that regard, what are the ways that we can collaborate, even though the world is trying to push us toward a tension? Mm-hmm. And then as individuals to, to be able to say, just because a person does not wear a bumper sticker or T-shirt relative to the cause that I'm championing, does not necessarily make them a bad person. Mm-hmm. They have an issue or cause that they're championing as well. And for those of us, just like starting to write left-handed, where is the grace as a person is trying, making attempts, going a certain direction, getting educated, grabbing understanding, getting a part of differing groups, finding out what the issues are, pushing back against some ingrained behavioral tendencies and preferences. What's the grace, the space that we have for people to take a step forward Mm -hmm. without necessarily comparing our intense advocacy to theirs Mm -hmm. and vice versa? Yeah, really well said. Darn it, you're good. (laughs) <laughs> I know you probably think I'm that Dennis. He's a silly old guy. So I'm going to give you the last word yeah. with a question. And the question is, you know, and let's say maybe it's a result of this conversation. Maybe it's not. What's your message to leaders about the biggest challenge that we're facing right now that they can have a positive impact on? I want to go back to your self-awareness perspective, Dennis, and this self-leadership piece, which comprises a lot of the things that I teach today. And there will be days where you feel like you are on fire positively, where you feel like you are engaged, where you are energized, where you are ready to go, where you are motivated and where you are inspired. There will also be days where you are overwhelmed, where you're frustrated, where you're like, what's the point? What's the point? I've been trying to fight for equity in different spaces. I've been trying to fight for people to elevate their soft skills and relationships in different spaces. Whatever our topics of passion are, there are going to be days where either you feel like you don't have it or it's not worth it. And on either of those days, we have to remember there's always a way forward. And we get to choose the tradition that we want to follow. And there's this idea, I can't remember the author specifically, this idea that there are people in our history who maybe they weren't the best people. Maybe they didn't make the best choices. 
maybe their life is not seasoned with these examples of success and triumph and doing the right thing at the right time and making a difference in the world. And we can choose that tradition. We can choose to follow in the tradition of people in our lineage, in our timeline that didn't do the best and didn't make the best choices. But there are also people in our family tree, in our history, in our generational timelines who did make great decisions, who fought incredible odds, who faced daunting challenges, who shifted the world, who made amazing discoveries, who formed amazing relationships, and who served the greater good. And we can choose, even if we've never met those individuals, we can choose to believe that they are there because they are. Mm-hmm. And we can choose to follow in that tradition mm-hmm. and make a difference in the world, no matter what we're facing. Mm-hmm. When we look at all of the big figures in history, there was always a dragon or a big international conflict or a big political issue or a big social challenge. And history tells us there have always been people, no matter how big the danger, who are willing to walk in the right direction mm-hmm. and to do the right thing. And we can choose to follow in that tradition as well. That's the last word. What a great way to close this conversation. I'm so sorry it has to end, but I'm told if I keep going that they get to be too long and people don't listen to all of them. But I'll tell anybody who clicks and listens to this, if they tune out, then I don't know what to tell them. You're incredible. I'm so pleased that I know you. I hope that we'll get to know each other better in my waning years. (laughs) And that was the other thing in this book, Good Life, they talk about the differences Mm -hmm. in terms of your experiences as you move through your life and then what becomes more or less important as you get into your later years. And one of the things that for my age, one of the things is close relationships. Yeah. So... I hope that we'll build a close relationship. Pierre, thank you so much for coming on the Soft to Steel podcast. Dennis, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Soft to Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Soft as Steel podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.